knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome back to Victor Drive, everyone. This week we have on Connor Broom. Uh, we talk a lot about Southern hunting, what it's like to hunt down South. And, uh, we also talk a lot about long range shooting and how to shoot long range on a budget. Uh, Connor, he's a big gun guy. He's been shooting long range stuff for a little while. And the biggest thing that he realizes that, you know, a lot of people think long range shooting is a rich man's sport, which it does take some money to get into, but he really wanted to voice his opinion on how to shoot long range on a budget. Um, some of the options that he's come across in his travels and experiences and how to make a, a really solid rifle build on a budget. And we talk about that towards the tail end of the, like the second half of the podcast is a lot about, uh, shooting and training and all that good stuff. Uh, the first half of the podcast is kind of just BS and about hunting and, uh, how his season's been going, how my season's been going, all that good stuff. So, I hope you guys enjoy it and uh, on to the partners of Victory Drive. So, like always, we have Mountain Ops, code Victory, 20% off. Um, great supplements and great people behind the company. Uh, Grizzly, code WCB for 15% off. Grizzly Coolers, they are the uh, title sponsor of the show. Great people, great outdoorsmen, um, great ethics, just Grade A people behind Grizzly Coolers as well. Uh, right, made right on the road in Decorah, Iowa. Best hard side coolers in the game, I do believe. And they also support the show. Um, for whatever reason, they decided to buy into Victory Drive early and say, you know what, this guy, we believe in this guy. Maybe. Maybe they thought that. Or maybe they're just like, I don't know, we'll just see how it goes. Maybe we won't even renew at the end of this year. I don't know. We'll see. But... <laughs> Uh, Grizzly Coolers, they're great, great dudes. Um, I love working with them, honestly, and awesome, awesome products. So, also, Africa, August 26th through September 3rd, 2024. Uh, contact me if you have any questions, gun or bow, and it's a blast. You guys, I've talked a lot about Africa. Just let me know if you guys want to get to Africa. Uh, we have a few slots left um, in Africa, and also Wyoming Bear Camp, May 27th through th- through the 31st. This is filling up pretty quick. Um, I've already got quite a few people, like a lot of people interested and honestly, quite a few people signed up. Uh, I think we only have like a couple slots available. So if you want to get to Wyoming bear camp, let me know and we'll figure it out. Um, if a bunch of people do end up wanting to go Wyoming bear camp, you will extend trade will extend it out a little bit further, but, uh, just for my week, 
there's only a couple spots left and that is now $2,500 and it's, uh, the price got cut in half cause now it's a more of a drop camp style hunt. So let me know if you have any questions. Um, also Huntworth code WCB 15 for some Huntworth. I use Huntworth all season this year. Great brand, great people, great clothing. Um, all right. And I'm not going to waste any more of your guys' time. It's a wild week. We're just getting done with Christmas. I hope everyone had a merry, merry Christmas and are on their way to a happy new year. Um, hope, uh, yeah, uh, it's been a crazy week. Hopefully everyone has a great week leading into new year's and everyone's being safe, getting ready for a fun new year's. All right. So yeah, that's about it. Love you guys. Hope you enjoy the episode. Peace. Connor, how you doing, dude? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. You hear me fine? Can you hear me good? On, yeah, can you hear yeah. me good on your end? Yeah, perfect. So, how's it going, man? Oh, not much, man. Just off for a couple of days and then back to work. Deer season's dying down, so just getting back into getting back into the family things. Christmas is rolling around. Yep, yep. That's yeah. It's going to get busy. Kind of, it's weird. Kind of how uh, deer hunting just kind of goes from being busy and then straight into the holidays and even more busy with family stuff. And okay. Never really ends until, I don't know, for me it's like February. Oh, really? It goes so, off that long for y'all out there? Well, I, it's January 10th um, is when it closes in Iowa. But then it's like, oh, then we got. In between that, you know, Christmas and New Year's, but then after that, it's ATA and all that good stuff. Then, oh, yeah. I guess late, I guess mid mid January kind of tapers off, but I don't know, just doesn't really feel like it until like early February. Then you're like, oh, okay, now we can chill for a little bit. Oh yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Y'all y'all do be doing a lot of traveling to all the shows and all that stuff, and all the uh, like the we have the Dixie Deer Classic here is what we call it. I know y'all call it different up there every show is called something different it's like the iowa deer classic and then fucking i don't know all sorts of it's just all called something different it depends on who owns it and stuff like i think y'all got something cool called what do y'all call it illinois uh deer and beer fest yep yeah that's a good one that's a fun one yeah that's a good one yep yeah and then i think um there's some like out like expo ones like wisconsin the Wisconsin show is like the, I can't remember what it's called. Something Sportsman's Expo or something like that. Yeah. But, I've actually never been to a show, believe it or not. Every time I every time I get invited to one, I'm always working. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for work? Uh, working. I work for a company called Comscope. Oh, I know Comscope. They, they make like um, spice trays and stuff in 
no, cable. We make cable. Oh, cable. Well, cable too. We also yeah, we, like cat. Yeah. So cat I, six, cat five, cable. Yep. Yep. Because I I do uh, telecom work for my job, so we buy oh, gotcha. buy a lot of Comscope products. Oh, I believe it. We're yep. like, do you do a lot of fiber? We do some. We have some fiber, but most of it's uh, coax. I got you. Yep. Oh yeah, we. I I personally, or my plant does not make coax, but I, the other plant makes the coax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah. crazy. Small world, ain't it? Yeah, dude, for sure. No, that's funny. That's crazy, yeah, I, I, I guess I always see the boxes, the Comscope um, boxes there for like our our fiber, like spice trays, and our that we you know do all our spices within for fiber and stuff, then. Um, put them back in the vaults and let them do their thing. But yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of that shit. And then a lot of coax stuff and I would see ethernet and all that cat five, cat six type stuff. But yeah, uh, you've got a cat six box laying around your work. I've probably, there's probably one that's probably gone through there. I've probably touched. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So we do all sorts of cable, man. We run so many feet of cable. It's insane. It keeps me busy though, but you know, pays pays the bills, pays the pays the hobbies. Oh yeah, for sure. It's kind of that's how I look at work. You know, it's like I don't work to live; I live to work, kind of deal. So yeah, yeah. But, uh, no, I, I feel like I'm always. It's like a the second home. I work twelve hour shifts at night. Oh shit! So, oh yeah, I work six to six, and it gets rough during deer season because I'll get off work and I'll just I'll have my truck packed, and as soon as I get off work, it's. <laughs> Two and a half hour drive to my hunting property. <laughs> I'm climbing in a tree and I'm sitting all day trying to. Sometimes I get down and lay on the ground somewhere and go to sleep. Jeez, yeah, no kidding. I feel like I'd just be tying off to the tree and just taking tree stand naps. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I know I wear, I wear a safety harness, but I don't trust that safety harness. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, a, I'm a big boy. I, I might bust the cable on that thing. Yeah, no, it's definitely there for uh, last-ditch effort, you know. No one plans oh. to like, – if you fall out of the tree, it's not going to make it feel nice. It's still not going to feel nice. It sucks. Oh, no, I've seen I've seen a lot of people get, like, muscle tears and oh, some yeah. of the bruises comes out of it. But, I mean, I'd rather have a couple muscle tears, maybe a, a pulled groin or a hurt back over a – you know, shattered femur and femoral bleeding. Oh yeah, or like Doug, he broke his back and had to freaking sit in a wheelchair for however many months. Hey, believe it or not, I have broke my back pretty much deer hunting, but I wasn't fall. I did not fall out of a stand. I actually picked a deer up to put it in the bed of my truck, and my back went. Really? Yep, back surgery and everything. Jeez, were you immobile? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was mobile for a little, I lost a lot of feeling in my left leg. I actually finished that season out before I had surgery. Jeez. It happened in September and our, our season goes from September to January, January 1st. And, okay. uh, I finished the whole season out and it was miserable. Yeah. That does not sound fun whatsoever. I didn't kill a whole lot of deer out of all the movement I was doing. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. Nope. Well, and then also it's like... <laughs> You don't want to load up another deer with a broken back, so you're. <laughs> if it was me, I'd be pretty I picky. Just, believe it or not, I actually carried one out on my back out of a holler. Dang, <laughs> dang. Yeah, I. Uh, it was painful. I took the guts out and all that stuff, but it sucks. I hunt the mountains in North Carolina, and 
Um, you talked to Jordan Jones. Oh yeah. He probably did. He ever tell you how bad it can get sometimes up here in the mountains? Oh yeah, he's made mention of it. Oh dude, yeah, it gets ridiculous I, up there in Allegheny County where they hunt. It's crazy, but down here and I hunt Polk County. Down in Polk County, it's just it's 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 not as bad, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we're having a conversation about southern hunters and stuff. So what do you what's a holler? Is it like a draw? Uh, is a draw like a like two hills? Like going down to a valley kind of thing, kind of like a valley. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's a holler to us. Okay. Yeah, that's why. That's what we figured because we call them draws. But I guess um, it, over there, are you talking like? Do you have like a like ridge top slot and like fingers that come off of like the, a main ridge, or is it more like just a like really steep like rolling hill type situation like in Tennessee? Uh, man, where I hunt, it's like straight up, straight down. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's either or. I'm in a little bit of a low spot. I have two different properties that I hunt, and uh, one of my properties is pretty much just. I, to be honest, I don't want to shoot a deer and drag it out of there. Oh yeah. And the other one is a little bit more of a tame spot, but we got some pretty big hollers back in there, and I couldn't imagine wanting to drag a 220 pound buck out from the bottom or something. No, dude. No. So I hunt uh, the northeast part of Iowa quite a bit, and over there, it's a lot of, uh, it's like along the Mississippi. So there's a lot of bluff country type situations out there. So uh, it's not like mountains or hills. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Cause it's, it's almost like the state of Iowa is like one huge plateau. And then when you mm-hmm. get closer to the Mississippi, then it just kind of starts dropping off. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, so like, you just, just kind of like a whole, it kind of looks like plains a little bit, just like farm, farm country. Yeah, it's farm. It's definitely still farm country, but uh, a lot of people, a lot of farmers, they plant either the tops or the bottoms. So mm-hmm. um, you'll have ag on either the the tops. Like if there's a really big ridge, like open ridge, they'll you know log all that off and bulldoze it all and put it in a crop field up there. But all the draws, we call them, but I guess haulers, you know, they, uh, that's all, that's all timber still. And there's a lot of like timbered finger ridges that come off of the main ridges and stuff. So like, I get a lot of that like type of situation where there's some pretty steep, steep hills and stuff out there. Like there's some stuff that's just like straight bluff, like just straight down. So you're not really, the deer aren't using that obviously, but it makes it pretty nice for a bow hunter because then you find a nice little pinch point area and you get that wind blowing off that bluff and it's like bulletproof dude as long as you're man enough to climb the bluff then you're pretty much bulletproof but you got a lot of tim- you got a lot of timber out there um yeah there's more timber out there than there is where i grow where i live where i live is just <laughs> it's just it's all ag it's just flat ag land and the only timber we have where i live is creek bottoms and river bottoms Everything it's else so hard is. to bow, so hard to bow hunt that stuff too. Well, it's like you you know you find the deer, but then you know I don't know everyone else knows where they're at too. So it's like there's really not a lot of hiding. Big deer don't do a whole lot of hiding. Generally, big deer in my area people know about it. Oh yeah, <coughs> yeah. I uh, I'm lucky. I'm I'm lucky that in the fact that I don't I hunt I hunt in horse country, so it's a lot of liberal like. Just they don't really do a whole lot of hunting. They might have oh, some yeah. coyote hunting come in and kill some coyotes, 
there ain't a whole lot of deer hunting that goes around. I, the only person that hunts is next to me, and I met, actually met him on the Working Class Bow Hunter Facebook page. Oh, cool. And that's how we connected. And it turns out he hunted the property right next to me, and we're pretty good friends. And, you know, we communicate on the deer that we see, the deer that we want to let walk, the deer that, you know, that we potentially want to shoot. And that's cool. It's it's nice in the fact that I have that kind of property, but then I also have another property where it's just like, you know, if it's brown, that motherfucker's going down. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's like my and, that's like my whole county. <laughs> yeah. I can't blame people, man. A lot of people just wanna hunt and they just wanna they just wanna get some meat in the freezer and I can't blame them, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you just gotta let them deer grow. Right. I mean, that's kind of the situation where I live. There's a lot of guys that love to hunt. They they grew up hunting. They love hunting, but at the same time, they're busy, right? So they they work long hours. They're really busy with family and work and all that other shit. So they, if they do bow hunt, it's very limited. Um, and then they they get out. They can they find time to get out during um, gun season either. You know, they go out, if they go out gun one, they just have to take off, make sure they're not busy for one weekend. And then it's that same situation where, you know, if it's brown, it's down kind of thing. Like I have two days to hunt. I want to fill my tag and eat some deer. So that's generally what they do around here. And I can't blame them for that. You know, it's like, they're just trying to do their thing and get some deer meat in the freezer, you know? So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Does it still kind of bother me selfishly? Yes, it does. But at the same time, like I can't. I can't really get mad at them. No, I agree with you 100%. We all, we all joke around and, you know, we wouldn't be, uh, I call it more of like a, a brother and sisterhood, you know, like if we didn't yeah. pick around, then you know, we wouldn't be having no fun with it. But at the end of the day, it's your tag, your choice, whatever you want to shoot. If it gets your legs shaking and your heart pumping, man, shoot it. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of, that's how I like to look at the hunting community. And I hope it's actually like that where, you know, uh, we might give each other shit and razz each other. And maybe we, you know, some people are, you know, really, I guess probably are a little bit rougher than some, I guess. But, uh, at the end of the day, I really hope that when push comes to shove and like certain politicians get out there and they're trying to outlaw certain ways of hunting. I hope that the rest of the community gets, uh, gets behind it and says, no, like we can't outlaw this shit. Even if I don't like it, we need to stand together to defend each other's uh, way of life and way of hunting, whether you like it or not. You know, like I know a lot of guys that live in like Dominic Sheets. He's in Virginia, and you know, there's a lot of hound hunters out there. Do you oh, hunt, dude, do you guys hunt with hounds in the Carolinas? Oh, it's probably the number one capital of dog hunting for deer. Okay, so yeah. let's say a politician gets in there and says, you know, hey, we want to outlaw hound hunting. Would you be like, yeah, fucking sweet. That'd be nice. Or would you, would you be more or less, more of the line of being like, Hey, you know, what? it's a tradition for them. Like we should stand up and kind of defend it. That's a double edged sword because, and where I hunt in the County of which I live, I don't live and hunt the same County, but I'm two hours away from the nearest County that allows it. I'm not a fan of it. I know for bears, it's a different story because they're so elusive. Oh Yeah. And like mountain lions is a different story, mm-hmm. but here I, I personally do not see the sport in it. Mm-hmm. I know people love it. And I'm not hating you for it, but to me, 
I would be for it, but at the same time, I don't have to deal with it. So to me to chime in, to vote that right away from somebody else, I, I probably wouldn't vote for it. Yeah. Just because I don't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a, that's a very different situation. Cause I, me personally, like I, in Iowa, you can't do it. So I don't really care. But if they tried making hound hunting legal in Iowa, I would be like, no, let's not do that. You know, <laughs> because, uh, for one, it's not a tradition here. No one does it. So they just be like, yeah, let's just do this new thing and see how it goes. Like, yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> but, uh, I guess I do understand as to a certain extent, like with, cause, um, deer drives is really popular in Iowa, but you're doing it with, mm-hmm. with people. So yeah, people know property boundaries unless they're a dick, but generally people yeah. can read and see that property boundaries and know where not to cross dogs don't. So that's like one concept I do see from the people that are against hound hunting where they're like dogs don't know any boundaries and they're running all over the place. It's like, okay, yeah, I could see that. A lot of people do do human drives here. <clears throat> we used to hunt Granville County back when uh, I was a kid. And we would do some drives, and uh, me and my best friend Dylan, we did a drive, just a two-man drive, me and him, last year, and we shot three deer that night. Oh, yeah. Just just me and him. It's effective, and especially if you got, like, a small piece of property like what he had, where it's, like, 10 acres, but you got so many deer, and you can go through there and just shoot some does or something like that. Do mm-hmm. it. You know, get it done. To get what needs to be done for the property. <laughs> A lot of I, I I see a lot of that as management, but around here they're kind of encouraging people to shoot kind of anything, anything and everything right now, just because of how much CWD is going around in the mm. northern part of the northern part of the state. Luckily, it hasn't affected down down where where I hunt, but uh, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that uh, management <laughs> practice for CWD, honestly. Because they're that's what they're they're doing that in Minnesota, which is just north of where I live, and man, they're just they're in those CWD areas. They're like trying to slaughter all the deer, and I don't know how I, I don't think I, I don't know. I guess I'm not a biologist, but I I feel like if you want deer to survive CWD, wouldn't you want more deer? Because event yeah, there's got to be some there's got to be some deer that are. I have some sort of immunity to it or they eventually build up herd immunity. And if you're killing off those deer that have that, they're starting to build an immunity towards it or some sort of protection against it. Wouldn't you want more of them getting bred? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's a, it's a double edge. So I don't yeah. think anybody really knows what to do with it because no. it's not, it's an, it's a natural disease. It's not like it's created, you know, yeah. And it's, it's been around for, you know, longer than what we've ever been here. So it just happens. I feel like it comes and goes as like a, uh, kind of like how COVID did just comes and goes, you know, you don't really hear about it anymore, but it still happens, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And right now it's just a, it's a, it's a pandemic for deer. I mean, yeah. it's happening all over the country. I mean, I, I think I saw something where it was like over 20 states, country in the whole country have been tested positive for cwd yep and it's just a pandemic for deer and you know it might take a couple years for it to get straightened out just like how covid did yeah no for sure and it's weird because um in minnesota and wisconsin it's like supposedly pretty damn bad up there but in 
Iowa, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. Like it seems like it's there's more of it down in southern Iowa, but up up here in northern Iowa, it's, it's not considered a CWD area, even though we're right next to two states that have a lot of CWD, I guess, in this area. So I don't know. It just seems weird that Let Iowa is a little more immune to it. Let me ask you this now: In those counties, or do y'all do counties? Or y'all do zones? Uh, for what? For like non-residents? No, for just deer in general, like deer hunting, uh, like how y'all do. zones. But I, what Iowa residents don't really care about zones because we get statewide tags. I got you. But. So, and like depending on the county in North Carolina, it doesn't matter what you shoot or when you shoot it, but if you kill a deer, you have to like take it and drop it off and have it tested. Like the lens hmm. nodes and something like that. Are y'all having to do that? No. No, it's all volunteer. Um, yeah, no, no one's required to. I know down in Southern Iowa, when I went down there with uh, Derek to tag along with his, with his uh, gun group, um, they, they do set, like call the DNR and say, Hey, come test whatever deer you want to test. And he, he'll go in there and he'll, te- you know, if there's, you know, 25 deer hanging, he'll test like five or six of them. Be like, yep, all right. Sounds good. Thanks guys. Yeah. But only the does. Cause with the bucks, they don't, I guess you have to be, it's pretty intrusive and ruin the mount if you want to mount it or something. So I've never yeah. seen them do that. So I don't know how they go in there and get it. I was. I, we had a group plan to go to some public land to do some long range hunting up in near uh, Virginia, and uh, I found out that it was one of those counties. I said, "I'm good," because <laughs> yeah. like, we're gonna be, we're gonna be packing deer out. And I was like, "If I shoot a doe, I really am not trying to pack her head out. That's just the neck, the neck and head. I mean, that alone weighs you know ten pounds. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to do that." So I could be wrong, but last time I checked in Iowa, if you're going to pack out deer, you have to take everything out, no matter what. Um, if you cut it up, okay. But if you drag it out, like great. But I think so even on like on public and stuff, especially, I think you have to take everything out with you regardless. I think you're allowed to leave the spine and ribs, but you have to take the head no matter what. Yeah. I think in I North Carolina, like all the edible meat. Yeah, that's how most states are. I think Iowa's a little bit when it comes to cutting up. I think for a while in Iowa is illegal. Like you had to drag it out for quite a while, but now they're allowing you to, you know, cut them up and pack out the meat. But I think they still require you to take everything out besides the spine and ribs. Mm, that would suck. Yeah. Sometimes you get, some of those public land pieces, man, are huge. I've, I've started dabbling in public land, and then I ended up finding a piece up in there about trying to do some long-range stuff, and uh, it just sucks because I, I just don't want to pack a doe out. Because, I mean, I've never, I've killed deer at pretty decent range, but I've never shot one, you know, five, 400 plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm willing to shoot a doe out there, and it's just, you know, I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I try to because I think you have to be so many yards away from the truck. But I think in some of the counties, with how steep it is and how rural it is, I think there's exemptions in certain public pieces. Mm. Matters because you have to go in the digest, like the NC dot org digest for regulations or something like that. The wildlife regulations. Okay, I know, and I. 
I killed a doe during early muzzleloader season. I killed on a piece of public in Iowa. And it was a pretty big piece of public, but it was really windy that day. So I just kind of went in there and was just still hunting and, uh, ended up getting, getting, catching up with this doe. And I shot her deep in this public and I had, a, I just carried her out for the most part of it. Like just, are you allowed to trigger guts? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I gutted it and then carried it out. Um, it was rough. I had to cross a river and then climb up this big ass bluff. And then, um, it was probably about almost two miles. Cause I had to stay on the public cause I didn't want to go ask for permission on the private, you know, it would have been way shorter if I would have just drug it across in private, but in order to stay on the public, I think it was about maybe right around two miles of cool. like, taking this whole ass dough out. And it was rough, dude. It took a while. See, y'all's, y'all's Midwest deer are completely different body sizes than what we have. <laughs> like a doe here is maybe a big doe here is 140 pounds, maybe. Oh, okay. Like, like I've, I, I got a buddy that goes out there all the time and he brings some, he, he is sending me photos of some deer and I was just like, dude, I can't believe that's a doe. Yeah. You're talking 140 I'm, pounds live or 140 pounds dressed? Uh, 140 pounds live. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because that's not really a big body doe, you know? I mean, I've seen some of the does that come out of the Midwest, and they're like 200 plus sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, I wouldn't say that's common, but that's a that's a good doe. You know, that's a good body deer, no matter what, buck or doe. But uh, I think on average, live weight, ours are probably 160 to 180 probably-ish for like average like your average like two and a half year old maybe three and a half year old doe i don't know i i never aged a doe before but i know but i also know that there's some does like i think kurt shot one that was well over 200 pounds i got she's probably pushing 250 is kind of what he was thinking i could be wrong on that but she's a huge doe she's like 10 years old <laughs> i could not even imagine shooting a big doe like that i shot a couple big does this year with my bow and uh I thought they were pretty big. I don't know what they weighed, but they, their bodies were big for North Carolina. Yeah. I hunt on the border of South Carolina, and those South Carolina jeans and those deer and their horns and then their their bodies, they're just real thin. Oh, sure. Real thin, real thin horn. I call them pencil horn deer. <laughs> and every now and then we'll get a, I'll get a couple of nice ones that'll come strolling through. Mm-hmm. But once they, once they shed their velvet, man, they are just complete ghosts, and they just disappear. Yeah. Just run off in them hollers, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I, I got, I got, uh, I got. We run bait here, and mm-hmm. I, I keep it pretty heavy during the summer on mineral. And I've noticed that they'll come onto my property, but after that, two weeks after they shed their velvet, they are just gone into the wind. Yeah. I never see, never see them. I have deer that show up after velvet. But then all the deer that it's like, oh, dude, I want to shoot that motherfucker so bad. <laughs> it's you, like as soon as I get in the woods, boom, I never get a single photo after yep. that. Yeah. Do you uh, keep running mineral throughout the season or do you switch to, to like corn? Uh, I, I, I usually just throw out a couple of those 50-pound pink blocks. They're so okay. cheap and they last so long and they just keep them coming back. But I throw corn out every now and then, but... I do use a lot of big time. They really do like that cherry blend stuff. Oh yeah. And then, uh, I use a lot of, uh, what is that? Wildlife innovations. It's like that powder. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. The sugar, the sugar beets, and the persimmon ones. They, I mean, God, you talk about them tearing it up. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we own an apple orchard, so every now and then my fam, like my family does. And then every now and then I'll go just take a bucket and just scoop up some apples and throw it out there. But that's rare. I hate bees. I hate dealing with the bees. Oh. And deer, deer don't like that stuff either, man. Like all those bees on those rotten apples. I'm it sure. Just stresses them, stresses them out, and they come in all antsy and stuff well, like that. Getting stung, stung all the time and stuff doesn't sound like a good time when you're just trying to get a bite oh, to I've, eat, you know? So. I've, I've seen it in the stand. It's hilarious. That, they'll be sitting there eating, and doe just like make like, it just sound like a horse kicking. <laughs> she just throwing her head all up around in circles like a giraffe and stuff. It's hilarious. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but it, it doesn't do it doesn't do good. It's just I've been I don't know. This late season's been rough. Usually I'm covered in deer with mm. corn and stuff, like that, but I haven't. I've gone probably four or five times. Mm-hmm. And I haven't even I haven't even seen a doe. Mm-hmm. So it, I, it's just it, it is what it is. Yeah. How do you feel about baiting? Would you rather like baiting deer go away, or would you would I'd, would I'd, I'd be down for it? Yeah, is are you just yeah. do you you basically bait because everyone else does? And you're like, well, I'm out of the chips if I'm not doing it. Yeah, kinda. And yeah. I, everywhere around me is so plentiful. Like you know, all those I got a bunch of acorns over there in this timber that's next to me, mm-hmm. and then on Tanner's property, he's got a bunch of just amazing bedding area over there. I mean, just phenomenal bedding area. And so they kind of just travel to and from my place, just going from food to bedding area. No. And I just catch them in between there, but I'd be, I'd be down for it. I, uh, I'd have to plant some plots and stuff like that. This year I've been thinking about doing some curtain. Everybody in Austin's all talked about frost seeding. Mm hmm. And I think I'm going to jump on the bandwagon and try some frost seeding. Well, yeah, even though it's a bait state, I mean, um, <clears throat> I think Damien Riffle, he talked about that because uh, he lives in Ohio, and that's a bait state too. And he still plants um, food plots stuff. It just keeps them, keeps them going there. I think deer prefer to eat shit that's like from the ground. You know, it's fresh, and it's, you know, I think they enjoy that more, but they're not going to skip over a pile of corn either, you know. Oh, yeah. And another thing that I also don't do that a lot of people do is I do not run. I hate them so much. I hate automatic features. Oh, okay. Because because it just adds so much more stress because I've seen it because they'll be sitting underneath there eating, boom, feeder go off. Next thing you know, they all run off. They don't come back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so, well, I do that. I just dump it out on the ground. I was just going to say, you just go out and dump it. Oh yeah, I just dump it on the ground. I could send you some photos later. I'm I, I've been called the Lord of Bait Piles. I go out there and because <laughs> I don't I don't I live two hours away from where I hunt. Uh-huh. So when I corn out, I go throw three, four hundred, five hundred pounds of corn out on the ground in two or three different spots, and then I leave. Yeah, makes sense. And, and I got bears too, and the bears just come in there and just annihilate it. Just roll around in it. Fuck it all up. <laughs> yeah, that, they don't really do. They don't. I've noticed that they don't add a whole lot of stress to the deer because they live with them. Mm-hmm. When the bears are there, they definitely ain't coming. Right. But this year, luckily, I haven't had no bear problems. Well, that's so good. Gonna, and I, I, I haven't been baiting as much as I've been doing a whole lot more uh, timber hunting. 
and a lot more uh, just still ground hunting. Just great. it's rifle season now. Mm-hmm. I like to hear the bow, man, but. You know, rifles are very effective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the equalizer. They're some very, very them. effective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not I'm not a purist in anything, honestly. I, I love bow hunting. I love gun hunting. I love shooting, I, you know, I love shooting rifles. I love shooting handguns. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not a purist in anything. Cause I don't know, uh, probably just because I feel like if you're going to be so stringent and so pure, like hearted about something. Like that's great and all. Like that's really cool that you can dedicate yourself just to one thing that you want to be really good at. Like that's awesome. But in my opinion, for me personally, myself, it's like, I don't like missing out. You know, I don't like sitting out gun season. I don't like sitting out seasons just because I'm like, well, I'm a fucking bow hunter, dude. And I also, I don't like sitting out bow season because I'm like, I'm a fucking rifle guy or I'm a gun guy. You know, I, I like to go out and do everything as much as i can so can you not bow hunt during rifle season not in iowa damn that sucks nope in iowa once uh gun season kicks off for those three weeks for gun one and two in iowa there's no bow hunting allowed Mm, that's rough because you can rifle you can bow hunt you know muzzleloader comes in whenever it comes in you can bow hunt as long as you wear orange you know rifle comes in you can bow hunt as long as you wear orange okay but I mean, I shot a I shot a pretty decent eight pointer this year. He wasn't a monster or something like that. He might go one ten, one fifteen. I mean, mm-hmm. no monster, but he was goring another buck when I shot him. That's pretty cool. And so when I saw him goring, I said, "Yeah," I said, you, "You're definitely mature enough to want to stab something." <laughs> and, uh, I wouldn't have been able to kill him with a bow because I shot him at two hundred plus yards with mm-hmm. my three hundred. With your what and. My 300 PRC. Oh yeah, dude. We've been talking a lot about that 300. I really want to get into, get into that stuff pretty soon too. Ah, oh, dude. We'll 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 dive into that. But that that I'll talk more about that thing. That thing is a hammer. <laughs> but I, I I shot him at like 200 over 200 something yards, and I mean you can't shoot 200 yards with a bow. Maybe a crossbow. Not accurately the deer. Yeah, maybe with some of the newer crossbows you can. I don't know. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Raven's I, I know somebody with a raven at work, and those things are just fucking retarded. Oh, they are. They're fucking crazy, and, dude. And what kills me is that he's able body. Mm hmm. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. I'm one of the. Uh, that's a whole other topic. It is. It's been, uh, it's been beaten to death, but at the same time, it's like, damn it, dude. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you. That's, oh, yeah. That is one thing that. That is one hill I will die on. I think I will never be okay with crossbow hunting. And I've had conversations with people like, "Well, how can you hate on crossbow hunters when you're when you're when you gun hunt?" I'm like, well, because it's not the fucking same, dude. It's a different, completely different season. You know, yeah. it's a completely different season. Like, I don't know. I'm all for crossbows during gun season. I'm all for crossbows during late season in Iowa because in Iowa you can't hunt with a crossbow until late season if you're able bodied. Other than that, it's like you gotta be disabled to do it. It's like I feel like archery season during that October November time frame. It's a, it's a, it's a treasured time frame because that's when deer are at their most vulnerable. And you, if you're out there shooting, shooting deer with a gun or a crossbow, I feel like that's just you're just taking advantage of them at that point, you know. So 
Yeah. Especially in the Midwest, like in the out West, it makes a little more sense. Like during mule deer, like during with mule deer and stuff during the, during the rut, it's a little bit different because they're, they're traveling so much. So I get why they do rifle season kind of during the rut in the West, but in the Midwest, dude, it's like, you're, that's crazy. Yeah. The rifle, our, our rut or my rut, different regions of North Carolina are different, but and our rut is peak rifle, like the first week of rifle. Okay. And I do, when I shot that deer, I, I was sitting in the woods and I heard a doe blow and I was like, man, there ain't no way she blew at me. And next thing you know, the whole woods erupts in deer. And I just see deer out in my field. I got like a 200, almost 300 yard field. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting in the woods in the timber and I just hear, hear deer running. And I just see deer running in the field. I hear grunts and snort wheezes. And next thing you know, I, have you ever heard a deer roar before? Oh, yeah. Yep. Sounds like stag kind of yeah i've heard it one time and uh it threw me off dude like it kind of yeah. started me what the fuck was that and i seen yeah, the, i seen I was, the deer and i was like holy shit okay that's what i was doing i was like what the fuck is that noise and i, yeah. I get down I was like, you know what i was like i got a rifle i'm gonna get down yep so i got down big old loop i mean i was doing mock jesus through this bottom of this field where they couldn't see <laughs> i come i come up over the hill and there's a deer like 20 yards from me staring at me and he just is so keyed on this one there's probably one or two does in this field and probably 13 to 14 different bucks chasing them oh shit and i just get down on the gun and i just look up and probably out there at the edge of my field i just see this deer just dive his head to the ground and come up with his head and I just see him gore this deer and I just jump on the bipod my bipod went long enough I deployed the legs longer and just as soon as my illuminated reticle went over his body I just dumped him (laughs) (laughs) and kick he didn't all I saw was his his ass hit the ground and his head just did that you know that flop that they do they just flop over yeah yep yep he flopped over, and I just started shaking. I lost it. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that just happened. <laughs> but I, I, I hit him in the spine. It was a little high. My adrenaline was just going. Mm-hmm. And I, I, he's dead. Dead's dead. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's how I feel. I mean, with if I'm shooting a rifle, if they're standing there, and I have a good shot. I'm gonna try to shoot high shoulder so I can, like, with, let the, I guess the wound channel of the bullet go through and disrupt the spine. So then they drop right there. You know, that's kind of how that. If I have a picture perfect shot, that's what I'm going for. You know, and then you get top top of the lungs and spine, and then they're dead in seconds, and you, there's no tracking. So it's great. I'm a high shoulder guy as well. Yeah. Sometimes I'll shoot. Sometimes I'll shoot him in the neck if it's like a doe or something like that. Because mm-hmm. those, those neck shots are pretty lethal with a rifle. I know a lot of people think it's not ethical, but I have yet to see a deer run from a neck shot. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people hate on them when they don't understand. It's almost like, uh, it's, it's almost like taking a frontal shot with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. when you're really close and the deer's frontal and guys throw it in the fucking pump station full frontal. Some people are like, that's the, one of the most unethical shots you can take. And it's like, well, but if it... If, you, if they're close enough and, you know, if everything feels right and you send it and they're dead in, you know, 10 seconds, like, that's not unethical. That's pretty, that's probably 
very ethical. You know, if you do that, obviously I get, if you hit him low and you're in the brisket or you hit him high and you, you know, sever, say you sever just their esophagus and no arteries or anything like that. Like I get that. Like you can fuck it up pretty bad, but I don't know. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. How many elk shots have you seen online that are frontal and they just boom? A lot. They dump out right there, and next thing you know, they either fall right there. There's that one where that kid shoots it. He hits it in the neck, dude, and it just starts pouring. He just stands there, and he just falls right over. Oh, yeah, the one that doesn't even move. Like, he doesn't even <laughs> take but one step when he's falling down dead. And elk shape, I mean, he takes a lot of frontal shots. Cameron Haynes takes a lot of frontal shots. I mean, well, these guys, if you know your setup, yep. if you know your setup you can do it yeah and they're calling you know they're they're out there they're calling elk in and when they're coming in they're coming in frontal you know and same with like white tail adrenaline like jared Shepard <laughs> loves that shot he loves a frontal shot but that's because he's out there ground and pounding with a decoy and when a buck sees a decoy and he comes to run it off he's generally not going to go broadside until it's too late and then he he's a very high probability of him busting or something like that so when he gets within you know 15 yards in Jared's behind the bow. It's like, that's not a good spot for that deer, you know? So <laughs> for people oh, yeah. to sit back and arm armchair quarterback and say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. When you have a success rate of like, cause I think Jared Scheffler said of all of his frontal shots he's taken, he has only lost or had to do a follow shot on like one or two. And he's done a shit ton of them. So it's like when you have a 90 plus percent, success rate with a certain shot placement then you know you can't sit there and tell me that's wrong uh no you can't you can't at all mm-hmm. same with neck shots and but, with guns you know i would never take a neck shot with a bow and arrow but if i have a rifle it's like yeah well <clears throat> depending on the situation i'm not gonna say i would never do it yeah i had a deflection one time with my bow and the, i didn't see the branches so dim light and the arrow deflected and actually smacked that bear right in the neck I had to I had to get down and put a follow up shot on her, but I mean it dropped her out in her tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was also that was back when I was shooting mechanicals and I was shooting a rage and you know how a rage are open on contact. Yep, and it, it just severed her spine right there. And but I I got down and made a quick follow up shot and she died quick. But mm-hmm. it can be done. But you know I saw a lot of things on Facebook this year, like on the forums and stuff on North Carolina specifically, a lot of people shooting deer in the neck with bows and I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't like that. It was like, they it looked like they were trying to split the jugular and that was just like, yeah. they, they were hitting it and hitting it right. Or they were going to either miss the deer. I, it just don't make no sense to me on why you would do that. Yep. I killed a shed buck a couple of years ago with my, during late muzzleloader, I had a doe tag and in Iowa. Yes. A lot of people don't like this either, but if you shoot a shed buck, with an, you can put an antlerless tag on it, a shed buck yeah, yeah. or a button buck or a spike buck. Like a lot of people don't like that, but it is totally legal. So I shot this shed buck and he was in his deathbed. He was fucked. Like he's been sitting there for months it was, or is nuts. But after I got up to him, he had like no meat on him. He's just skin bones is insane. Um, anyways, I did a little investigation. I found a broadhead lodged in his neck. Like it missed mm-hmm. his, it severed his esophagus, obviously missed his arteries and stuff and didn't hit the spine, but it was stuck in there. Like just the broadhead was and probably maybe two or three inches of shaft left in there. And he was just slowly dying. And I'm like, damn, that's not good. 
but I killed him. And, <laughs> huh? How much infection was in there? Um, I'll, so it wasn't like really pussy or pocky. He healed up. Looked like he healed up pretty well. It looked like he was starving to death, honestly, mm. because he That's couldn't cool. swallow or something. Because there's a broadhead in his esophagus, so like that cut through his esophagus. And I don't know if that, didn't look like that healed up very well because the broadhead was touching the spine. It looked like it almost got like lodged in there, but just didn't have enough oomph to sever the spine. So it was a pretty unfortunate circumstance for that deer, but what do you do? I don't know. Yeah. You, you can't control other people no. in the woods. No. It's, it's just, I, you know, like I, I lost, I lost two deer this year. I, I, I found one, but that was when I was having muzzleloader problems. Oh and yeah. I was trying, I was trying to trying to figure out that muzzleloader issue and just like did it like being shot on a clean barrel or a dirty barrel well i shot a doe with a clean barrel at like 50 something yards and it went into her guts and you know if your mm-hmm. bullet doesn't hit hard sometimes it just doesn't open up mm-hmm. and it just zipped right through her and i had no blood and i was like you know i know i hit her because it's just there's no way she was like 30 yards from me yeah and i was like no way I did not hit this deer. I was like, you know what? I'm going to back out. I was like, I'm going to come in tomorrow. And I found her dead, but she was spoiled. Yeah. She done spoiled. And, you know, that, that's a part of hunting that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about. You know, it, it gets warm sometimes. And, you know, it went through the guts. And when I was, I skinned her out on the ground, I was going to tape her out on the ground. I wasn't going to drag her out of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, uh, I peeled her back strap out. And then when I, looked on the other side of the back strap it was like green oh yeah that's not good and i was just like fuck because <laughs> i hate I, you know, I would have rather have missed her than have shot her and that had had that happen mm-hmm. and then it's just i don't know it's just a very misfortunate thing that happens you know it's it's good that you were able to harvest that deer and put him out of his misery but it's like right. a lot of the times you you got to get the meat off of him. Yep, it sucked because I, I couldn't get any meat off of my I didn't feel comfortable getting any meat off of him either because one side, I'm not shitting you, just had literally no meat on it because there's a yeah. so- side that he's laying on. The yeah. other, the opposite side had some on it, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it was rough. Like I'm telling you, he would have been dead in probably, I don't know. I, I can't believe he was still alive, honestly. He let me get all the way up on him. Like I seen him, his head, head pop up. He's just looking around. I got all the way up to like 15 yards. I'm like, what the fuck? And, um, I got like 15 yards away and then he popped up and right when he popped up, I'm like, well, whoosh, and just dumped him right back down. But it was he's pretty probably, gnarly. It was probably so sick too. You shot oh, him. Yeah. Just, yeah. He was so weak. He had no meat on him. I'm surprised he even had enough, um, like enough meat to get up out of his bed honestly is is crazy but yeah i don't know i called the i did call the dnr on him on it too and explain the situation he's like yeah you know it is what it is if you know you can so what i ended up doing is i left a dropped a pin and left and ended up leaving him there and the dnr went and dealt with it so it's unfortunate I i don't think our wildlife would have done something like that yeah and i don't even know if he'd actually went and dealt with it, but he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll deal with it. And I don't know if that means just leave it there for the coyotes or what, but, or maybe he went and checked it. I'm surprised. I would be surprised if he didn't go there and at least check it for like CWD and stuff. But 
I told him what happened. He's like, ah, it's probably from that, you know, from the broad, from the broadhead, honestly, from the sounds of it. So I don't know. He probably ended up just leaving it there too. But what do you do? You know? Yeah, I found a deer dead, laying dead in my uh, my mom's neighborhood just a couple of days ago, and you know it was near the road, but you know you can tell when a deer gets hit by a car, and it mm-hmm. had no mark, had no dis- distortion on them, no like fur missing, no mark, nothing, no bullet hole, and it was a two year old buck probably. He wasn't a giant, but mm-hmm. he uh. He had no marks on him, and I called wildlife, and I said, hey, I think y'all might need to come grab this deer and have it tested because it don't look like it's been hit by a car, and that sucker's still laying there a couple of days later. Yeah. Yeah, deer are kind of funny, and it all depends. It's all, you know, it's, it's so weird because there's so much gray area. So I always say, like, when in doubt, just call them and have a, you know, that's the only way you're going to build a good relationship with them anyways. So like, when in doubt, just call them and be honest, you know, so... Yeah. Oh yeah, and see, like a lot of and a lot of counties here in North Carolina, they don't really have a whole lot of game wardens. Like the places that got the lakes, probably do. Yep. But like my county, I think it has two game wardens, and I have one of them on speed dial pretty much. So if I ever need something, or I have like a gray area issue or something like that. Because mm-hmm. I hunted some public in my in my county, and I just wanted to ask some questions. This is my first time ever going to hunt public. I went hunt some turkeys. Oh, and yeah. uh, I just called him, got some questions, but he's he's been pretty uh, helpful. I had a deer last year. I shot probably probably my biggest deer it was probably a hundred. It was up there. I don't want to say how big he was, but he was over one forty. Oh, nice. And he he ran over on a piece of property, and you know I got caught. And, I, and I, they just told me to leave. I said, "Okay, fine, I'll leave." Mm. Well, then I come back game warden the next day and ha- we, we tried to have a conversation with him he told us to get the fuck off his property he don't want nobody walking around his property he told us to fuck off and that game warden yeah I, I got in the game warden's truck and we went back to my place and he was like man fuck that guy <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> because we were trying to explain to him like you know this deer could still be laying like he just he's just gonna lay there till he dies and he could be alive still and we need to find him and put him out of misery and they just did not care no Damn. care in the world so in that case, you you, you just got to leave them. Yeah, I had no choice. That's crazy, dude. So in Iowa, we have the right to retrieve. So I wait. Yeah. I so if, if I hit a buck, he runs on private. Um, I always try to find the information of the landowner and stuff and contact them. Usually, I'd say I've never, I, I've never had it happen. But usually, I feel like people are pre forgiving in Iowa at least we're like yeah do what you need to do kind of thing but yeah in the off chance where they're like fuck no you can't you can't enter my property actually matter of fact my buddy just had that happen to him this year a buck that he hit ran on a neighboring property and he called him he's like hey you know I saw him go um jump your fence and he's in your property I just want to let you know like I'm gonna have to you know I want to track him kind of thing and the guy's like, no, no, I have, he has like a junkyard in there basically. He's like, I've had people steal stuff out of there before, so I don't let anyone in there. And, Matt, and my buddy's like, well, you know, with all due respect, I'm telling you I'm going to go do this. I'm just trying to be nice. Like we, and I, and you explain, I'm like, and I we have the right to retreat so I can enter, legally enter your property without a weapon. Um, I just like to let you know first. He's like, well, all right, all right, all right. Can you wait a little bit and I'll be down there so I can walk with you? 
then you can take your then you can take your bow with you. He's like, okay, yeah, no no problem. So he waited for him and went in there and he ended up jumping the buck and ran off in another spot. He ended up never finding it, but yeah, it's one of those things where, I, and I, that's one thing I do love about Iowa too that we have that law. So if you do have a good dickhead landowner that just doesn't want anyone in there, say, well, I'm not, I'm just trying to be nice here. I don't need your permission to do what I need to do. Yeah. It used to actually be like that in North Carolina, but they changed that within the past several years, I think. <clears throat> hmm. But when we went, when we went tracking this deer, I knew it wasn't the best of shots. Cause like from the time that I seen him, he come in chasing a doe from the time that I seen him and ranged the spot, I drew my bow back and it was like two seconds from like seeing him to shot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just was not the best of shots, and I knew that. And I think we we didn't go in there till like probably ten o'clock at night. And we when the blood went over on the property, we were just like, you know, it's late. Let's just go ahead and just try it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not like we're over there stealing. It's not like we're over there snooping. Yeah. You know, technically we are snooping looking <laughs> for blood. But. Just like, well, better to ask for forgiveness and permission kind of situation. Yeah, it's not like I'm going over there and trying to open the car doors and look for the change, you know? Yeah. And uh, we were, like, probably 100 yards from the house, and I guess they saw our lights. Somebody must have got up and got some drink or something like that. Yeah. And they came up there telling us to leave, and we were like, whatever, you know, if that's fine. You know, I, I had a pretty good idea where this buck might went, and I'll just come back in tomorrow with the game warden. And it just didn't go as planned. We had to leave, and it sucks because I know he died. Fuck. That sucks. But a three-inch hybrid cut, total cut, and went right through his guts and came out Dude. the other side. Yep. I know. Sucks. I, oh, for damn, sure. I dead. can't go back and can't go back and do nothing. You know, just it's just a sad story. Yeah, I think uh, Sam Ubel. I think he had a video on his YouTube channel, Chase Nation, and that situation happened in Wisconsin because. Wisconsin, it's the same way where if you they tell you to fuck off, you have to fuck off kind of thing. And yeah. in the video, I'm, I might be mistaken, but I think you they were driving by and they saw the deer on this dude's property. And they're like, hey, dude, we shot this deer over here. He ran into your property. We just want to go put him down and do the right thing and put him down and get him out of here. And that guy's like, nope. He's like, seriously? You won't let – like, I, I see him. I see him on your property. Like, I can – actually see him or I can't remember if they actually saw him from the truck or what, but they knew he was in there and he's like, Nope, Nope, Nope. So they did the same thing. I think they call, called the game warden still no, still no. And they just kind of kept harassing him. And I think, um, it was like the third or fourth day or maybe it was a week later. It was a, a significant of time amount of time later, the deer died right where it was at. And it started decomposing and started stinking and then finally the landowner's like, all right, come get this fucking thing out of here. Like, it stinks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. what? So they went and got the deer, oh. and, but it was obviously completely ruined. It's just like, dude, why wouldn't you let me in there earlier? Like, we, I told you it was going to die. Like, what it did you think was going to happen? Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. 
still got to put your tag on a deadhead too. Right. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a super unfortunate thing. It's like with those states, when something like that happens, it's like change this law. Like this is, this sucks. Like a hunter should have the right to retrieve. If you want to make, you know, different rules on it where you have to contact the landowner and at least let them know first, like, okay, but give the hunter the right to retrieve his animal. You know, that's, that's insane that you can't do that. Well, it's the most ethical thing. Yeah. It's, 100% 100% unethical, or at least like you did, go in there with a DNR and make it make the law where it's like they can't deny the hunter with the DNR officer so he can be there with the guy and make sure everything's legal and legit, you know? Oh, yeah. He was actually talking about if this deer's still up and we can't get up to him, you know, I'll shoot him with my AR. Yeah. Let's just get this deer done, you know, because I told him where I hit it. He's like, well, he's just going to lay here and suffer for, you know, a day or two. Mm hmm. And it, it's just one of those misunfortunate happenings. It was, it was gun season, too, is what's crazy, and I should have been carrying a damn gun. Right. But, you know, that's just a whole other topic. Yep, it sure is. It sure is. Oh. But I really want to get to some gun talk here because we were talking. We were, we've been messaging back and forth for, I don't know, quite a while now. And you had this um, idea. You're like, hey, why don't we talk about, like, long-range shooting on a budget right oh it's doable 100 yeah. so let's kind of start with uh i guess maybe your setup and just kind of go from there uh my first the setup that got me into long range is that i was looking for i have a i have a browning and 270 short mag that i just cannot find ammo for mm. and so i bought a 6.5 prc mm-hmm. and a weatherby it had a a long action that way it could take it's a short action cartridge but it, it was chambered or is action or chambered in a long action from from weatherby so you can shoot the longer heavier bullets and i started doing a lot of research on the round and i was like huh i was like apparently this thing's very effective at the long range mm-hmm. and so i started research and i put a a second focal plane vortex viper hst on it okay Get out to a 600 yard range, and the first time I ever shot past 150 yards, I was just dinging steel. You know, just <laughs> got luck. But was 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 doing it the complete amateur way. You know, going off box velocity. You know, using a second focal plane scope without dialing, using the the BC reticle at the wrong magnification. You know, I was mm-hmm. doing all of it, and I was still having fun. And then. uh I got introduced to first focal plane scopes. <laughs> yeah. And then that is what drove me crazy was just learning that scope on that gun. And then I started going to this place called Hyatt's and okay. it was a real, real, real quick. Um, we kind of, we, you just touched on first um, focal plane, second focal plane scopes for the guys that don't know. Do you want to just explain that real quick? So, second focal plane scopes is typically what everyone hunts with. Typically, mm-hmm. like you, know, you got a two seventy, you got a seven mag, you got a thirty out six, three hundred wind mag. You know, you're straight. You're a straight wall cartridge state, so it makes even more sense for y'all to have a second focal plane. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's typically you know the you see it better. The reticles are thicker, and your reticle stays the same at no matter what like the same size no matter what magnification so like say like mm. you know a lot of 
telescopes have BDC scopes, you know, that BDC reticle is only accurate at max magnification. Mm -hmm. You will not be accurate, say, like you have a, a 12 power scope and you're trying to shoot 300 yards on your 300 yard BDC that you know hits 300 yards, but you're on eight power. Mm -hmm. Not going to hit. Right. It's just not going to happen. And a first focal plane, your reticles are more fine. And you know that Christmas tree style everybody talks about. Yep. All those hash marks and all those mill points or MOA points, whichever one you shoot, stay the same and no matter what magnification, no matter if you're at four power, six power, nine power to 25 power, it doesn't matter. It's all going to be the same. So therefore it's more accurate at distance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I started, I started playing and, you know, there's a lot of options out there for people that don't, that they think, you know, Oh my God, first focal plane scopes, I got to spend $2,000 on them. Yeah. You can do it pretty easily. You don't have to. I mean, Arkin, Arkin Optics. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Um, I've heard of them. Is it A R K E N? Yeah, A R K E N. Yeah, I got introduced to Arkin, and dude, for the SH four on a six five PRC, I was hitting out to a mile, but I was also having to account for the transonic barrier for that caliber right mm-hmm. and so well speak it, let me get cut it back a little bit yeah. I, so i started off at a high it's at a 600 yard range and then i got told about a place called coleman's creek from my buddy alex and uh, we met online on facebook and he invited me out to a night shoot one day and we got there right before dark and we were shooting out the distance, and it was my first time ever shooting past 600 yards. And I had a second focal plane scope at the time, and my Arkin was on order. So I was waiting on my Arkin, hoping it was going to get here in time, have it set up. I was going to zero it and go out there, but it didn't. And mm-hmm. so I was just shooting Alex's, and Alex has got some baller builds. He's got a scar. <laughs> he's got a scar heavy with an A-packer, a knife or A-packer on it. And, Fuck dude, God. I mean, you talk about just dial – and hold right on at a thousand yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was insane to me. And so later that night, we were shooting with a fifth group ODA sniper, and he had an Accuracy International that had he had three different barrels with him. He had a three hundred eight barrel, three hundred one mag, and I think a three thirty three hundred normal barrel. Okay. And it had a Schmidt and Bender with a Raptor sitting on top with a thermal or night vision PBS, whatever they are, clip on. Yeah. And yep. And we were shooting like 700, 800, 900 meters with in the pitch black dark. That's bad. And it was insane. So that was my first introduction into real long range. And then I got my Arkin and I ended up becoming a member of that range. Coleman's Creek is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal place in North Carolina. I recommend anybody in North Carolina listening to this to shoot there. Because it's it's a it's a professional place run by ex special forces because we're it's near Bragg. Oh, okay. And you talk about like there's no range officer standing over your back. Everyone there's got common sense. You know, if you're doing something stupid, somebody's going to tell somebody, and you're going to get kicked out. Yep. So 
I became a member there and I got my arc and I started playing the, you know, that the hunting distances. Cause I got into long range precision shooting for hunting. I'm, I'm Western curious is what I call it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm what I, I, re- I just started my mule deer draw for Wyoming. And, uh, so I got into long range for that. I wanted to become proficient at it and I wanted to go ahead and start. And, uh, I started shooting at 700, 800, you know, thousand yards. And I was like, this is very doable. It's crazy on how doable it is with a, a $330 scope on a $700 rifle. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I had a thin barrel. I could only shoot about three shots out of 6.5 PRC before I could cook bacon. You know what I mean? Right. So it was, you know, three shots, four shots, let the gun cool for 20 minutes and then shoot. So I started getting really big into wanting to do ELR ELR shooting and uh oh shit I uh I purchased a uh 300 PRC in a Bagara B14 Wilderness Ridge oh yeah and that motherfucker is a shooter dude Bagara I honestly don't think for the price especially I don't think it's hard to beat that is a hard hard rifle to beat honestly I agree 100%, and I paid $1,000 cash for that gun, which is not a lot of money for a gun no. nowadays. I'm mean, brand new gun. Especially one that shoots like that. Yeah, and I paid $1,000 for it, and I put the exact same Arkin that's on my 6.5. I bought another one and put it on my 300 $330 scope, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the glass is night force quality. No. I'm not loophole quality. But I can see you can see hits at a mile. You can see impacts at a mile. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's decent glass. It's not it the, it's not the best, but it proves that it doesn't take a whole lot of money to get into it. Like I go out there, and it's it's funny. I go out there with a deer rifle with a you know big crazy scope on it, with chambered in three hundred PRC, and I'm dialing what is it twenty? I got it right here. Twenty one and a half mils for a mile yeah so it's it's literally just you know you're accounting for the wind and you know your apps nowadays i mean your apps are free like the hornady app is free oh yeah and fordoff is amazing i really like fordoff and uh it accounts for all you know the coriolis effect and all that stuff yep which that's i mean when you're shooting out that far you have to take that in effect for sure new account oh yeah I mean, everything comes into play, temperature, barometric pressure, humidity. But those apps are fucking badass where you can just plug it all in and everything else and just pops it out and basically tells you how to shoot it, where to dial and everything else. It makes it pretty – it's very doable for sure to at least get close, you know, so. As long as you have accurate data that's been not only shot through a chronograph through the gun, but also checked at distance. A lot of people don't do that, and that is shoot at distance to check your data. It's called truing your velocity, mm-hmm. which I'm part of that. And, you know, like, for us, it's like a, I think it's like a five or six inch bar that's five or six inches tall, but about probably about 36 inches long. And that's what you true at, and that's at 800 meters on at Coleman's. So, like, you know, you say, like, you just, you know, you put in your app 800 meters. And uh, I shoot I shoot everything in meters just because everyone around me shoots it. 
Yeah. So a lot of a lot, a lot of what you're going to hear from me is meters, and I know you're you have a military background, so we can relate on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're shooting with a bunch of SF dudes and stuff, it's like you just figure it out. You just got to do it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like everyone around me shoots mills, so I shoot mills. Like I don't have a preference. It's like if everyone around me would shoot MOA, I'd be mm-hmm. shooting MOA. Right. I mean, mills is better. For I, sure. I would. I would argue mills is better. It's yeah. a lot less number keep up with you in your head yep. and uh i uh i mean there's a bunch uh, you don't have to shoot just arcing though it's like you know athlon makes an amazing scope for the money yeah. vortex makes scope for the money they do uh, my, I mean, my buddy landon he's a prs guy and he fucking loves athlon he's a big athlon guy so they have two thousand dollar scopes all the way to three hundred dollar scopes yeah and that rank that rank price range is important, especially for people trying to get into it. It's like, you can always, um, I, I, I generally try to advocate people to get, um, more expensive glass just cause you can change it. You can swap it from gun to gun and just re zero and do what you need to do. Um, but if you are on a strict budget and you really want to get into something like this and you want to, if you feel like your money is spent better elsewhere, then have yeah, absolutely they do. There are a lot of companies out there that make really good glass for not um, premium prices. You know. Oh yeah, they're like Arkin, they Arkin has uh, options. I think they're like six hundred dollars, and it has Japanese glass in it. That's good shit. And, and I mean, I've looked through an EP five on my buddy. My my buddy, all all of us have three hundred PRCs pretty much, and. Uh, <clears throat> Austin's 300 PRC. He put an Arkin EP5 on his. And I mean, the glass is phenomenal. The iBox is kind of like when you're talking about like the forgiveness. What's it called? What your, the, uh, the relief? Yeah, your eye relief. Yep. That sucks on Arkin. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Loophole. <laughs> like, you can tilt your head back to the end of the stock and look through a loophole. Yeah. Yep. But like you know. The glass quality, if you're able to see impacts at a mile, I mean, I can't argue with it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when now... You're, when you're target shooting, too, that eye box becomes a little bit less important because you have generally have the time to like get settled in behind it. But when you're hunting, that's where I feel like uh, a forgiving eye box with, uh, with really good eye relief on it is really hard to beat because you never know when you're going to have to snap that fucking gun up and squeeze it you know squeeze squeeze one off so oh percent i agree because my background is not target shooting it is not punch and steal my my background is purely hunting Mm -hmm. and the only reason why i got into long range uh hunting or shooting is for hunting Mm -hmm. you know like thinking about going out to you know wyoming idaho shoot you know i'm i'm fascinated with mule deer i don't know why i'm just fascinated with them so i'm Mm -hmm. wanting to get deer hunting and That's the only reason why I even, you know, entertained the thought of, you know, trying to get into it. And so I was like, you know, I'm on the fence about it. I don't want to spend a bunch of money. Let me do some research. And I ran across, you know, Arkin. I've got, I've had four of them, you know? Oh, yeah. And they're good scopes. But now that I've invested enough into it, I can tell you, like, I'm not going into the budget realm of it anymore. Like, I'm... I'm in the process of getting ready to purchase a Mark five HD. Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, you're Those talking are nice, about dude. <laughs> Those Mark yeah. fives are so nice. <laughs> yeah. It's going to hurt me. Uh, they're, really not gonna... they're, no, not they're not cheap. They're not cheap. 
You're talking uh, like uh, semi-custom rifle build for yeah. Mark V, dude. Yeah, I uh, I, I did a uh, – I'm doing a whole new stock and everything on my rifle. So, like, I'm changing it up completely. Like, I might, it might as well be like a semi-custom rifle, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stock that I got, I'm going to be able to put a carbon fiber barrel in it when I shoot the steel barrel out. Because mm-hmm. after the Bagara divide, sadly, in – 300 PRC. But, you know, all the reason why I shoot 300 PRC is because everybody else around me shoots it. Well, it's and a, from I, what I've read, it's a, it's a, it's a really phenomenal round on paper. I've never shot one, but man, that is a, that's a doozy. That's for sure. Definitely not made for a sub 10 pound rifle. Right. I say that. I think my my Bugara right now is at like eleven and a half, and yeah. I'm trying to get a little bit of weight off of it. But when I had the radial break on it, it was unshootable. And I'm not recoil <laughs> shot. I, I, I will shoot anything you put in front of me, but it was unshootable. Yeah, I, I couldn't shoot it, and I ended up doing a MDT Elite break. I think it was like 120 dollars or something like that, mm-hmm. and it just completely changed the gun. And now it's a shooter. I mean, with factory ammo, as of right now, I'm shooting factory. I don't have the space to reload. Yep. But all my buddies reload, and they I've probably given them several hundred rounds of brass. Mm-hmm. And That's a good friend. I, uh, I'm going to see if I can convince one of them to come up with a hand load for me. I'm wanting to shoot the 245-grain EOL from Burgers. Oh, yeah. And uh, I really just want to just have that one gun... Because I've always wanted a 300 Magnum. I never knew what I really wanted. I, I entertained the rum for a long while. Mm-hmm. But then I found 300 PRC, and I was just like, boom, that's the one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I've, I've talked to people before, and when you're comparing just data sheets between the 300 PRC and the 300 Win Mag, um, if you already have a 300 Win Mag and you're, you know, say you're looking into 300 PRC, I don't personally see a reason to need to change from the mm-hmm. 300 Winmag unless you just want to and you like it. Then I'll have at it. Or if you're gonna, if if you want a true dual purpose rifle that you can take out and um, compete with and hunt with, then yeah, 300 PRC is going to be where you, where you want to put your money. But if you're a, 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 if a guy asks me, you know, hey, I want to get a, a 30 caliber Magnum, it's like, well should really look into the 300 prc probably because it's gonna be the more versatile in my opinion in more situations than a 300 win mag um as long as you have the you know supply ammo supply and everything else so and it's relatively available it's only really loaded by hornady right now yep and i'm personally not a big hornady bullet guy you personally i don't i don't i'm not a big fan of the eldx i'm not a big fan of the <laughs> I'm a big Nosler guy. Yeah. Person. Okay. And uh, for hunting, but for target, I mean, it don't really matter what you're shooting as long as it's pretty consistent. But oh yeah, uh, have you have you ever put a Hornady around through a Chrono before? Uh, no, I haven't. God, you talk about the worst consistencies I've ever seen. No shit. Okay. S thirty <laughs> <laughs> velocity. Just insane, just differences of velocity. Really? I mean, 
saying that every time I shoot something that's loaded by Nosler, it's just like single digit SDs, consistent velocities, close mm-hmm. to advertised velocity. Yeah, Nosler's hard to be. They're they're about um I guess I'd probably maybe call them a semi custom um manufacturer, like bolt manufacturer. Because they, because they, 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 I seem, I feel like they load in such small batches and their QC is on point, but they get away with it because, you know, they don't, they're not all over the place and they're not loading all sorts of crazy shit. Like Hornady is, it literally loads for everything and there's so much out there. They're more like supply, like, you know, Federal, Hornady, all them brands but nosler you look look at the ammo section you're gonna see a lot smaller niche nosler products than you are with other manufacturers and you know there's only one way to do that in with that quality so and you're also going to pay 120 dollars a box for absolutely absolutely because yeah. I, I sold i recently sold my 6.5 prc and I, I didn't want to but i did so i could fund this mark 5 mm-hmm and uh, I had like three or four boxes of that Nosler stuff with it, and I, was, I told the guy that I sold. It, I was like, "Man, I was like, you get like four hundred dollars worth of ammo for like free, practically." Yeah. <laughs> I'm not budging on no price. Yeah, exactly. And he he was a cool guy, and he uh, he didn't question it nothing. He was like, "Yeah, that's good stuff." He looked the boxes up, but. I, they don't make it for 300 PRC, sadly. So I'm I'm either going to have to do a hand load from a book or I'm going to purchase some ammo from Unknown Ammunitions. Or, uh, no, it's called Choice Ammunition. Oh, okay. They hand load their stuff. So are they a build-to-order kind of situation? No, they do uh, bulk stuff. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah, they do like they just hand load their ammunition versus like, you know, like a machine doing it. Okay, I guess when I when I said that, I mean, do you have to put the order in and then they hand load it, or they have stuff on hand to buy? Yeah, they have stuff on hand. Oh, gotcha. Okay, perfect. I think ammunitions is the one that is like made to order. Okay, but uh, the uh, the choice ammo is what I'm thinking about doing in my 300 if I. Can if I can't get one of my buddies to handle it, cause they're also busy with other stuff. You know, they got, they got families right. and stuff too. And they got to handle their own shit. So it's like me oh, yeah. first, me first kind of thing, you know, dude, you're like, all right, I oh, get it. 100%. And it's like, you know, my buddy Alex, he has a, uh, accuracy international with a Z comp on it. And, uh, he handloads 250 grain a tips out of his. He said that, uh, if he got when he gets time, he'd try to come up with a load for me. But that that's a huge process because we'd have to be together, and he lives about an hour and a half away from me. We'd have to be together, then go to the range, and then shoot the shoot the load through my rifle. It's almost about just worth me just sending the rifle to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just doesn't have the time for that, and I understand it. But mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to. A lot of people though is like you know a lot of people already have like these rifles that are very capable because as long as you can get a good BC out of your rifle, out of your bullet, you're going to be very effective at long range. Like a seven mag, dude, you put a good scope on a seven mag, you're going to go out to a mile easy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, even a six, five Creedmoor is going to get out there, you know, uh, target shooting. Obviously I wouldn't take a six, five Creedmoor and, you know, shoot an animal out past, you know, six, 700 yards, but 
depending on the animal, especially, but I don't know. I, it all, it all depends on bullet, bullet, like bullet type and bullet weight and all that shit too. Obviously all that goes into effect when you're shooting animals, but if you're just trying to bang steel, it's like a six, five Creedmoor is going to get out there too. Oh, 100%. I mean, a lot of people too, like, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't want to burn the barrel out of my, out of my hunting rifle, which I understand that too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have AR 15s and a lot of people have 16 inch guns and mm-hmm. 77 OTM will go 500, 600 yards. And that's hunting distances for a lot of people for, you know, for long range hunting, that's hunting distances. Yeah. And you know, plink with your five, five, six gun with a, you know, $300 scope on it. And then go put you a nice, you know, go get you one of those nice athlons. Go get you one of those. I mean, some of those second focal planes with the custom dial turrets from loophole will do it. Oh yeah, for sure. That, and that's one thing too, with uh second focal plane and first focal plane that I didn't say, but it's like, if I'm getting a second focal plane scope for hunting, especially if it's a loop old and I have a custom dialysis um, turret on there, it's like I'm perfectly fine with just a duplex. You know, I don't, at that point when I'm when I'm dialing for every shot, I don't need all the you know the I don't need a BDC reticle or any hash marks or mill dots or anything like that. It's like if I'm dialing for every shot and I'm just keeping it within reasonable hunting distances, it's like yeah, I mean I'm perfectly fine with just a standard duplex reticle. And at that at that point, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's first focal plane or second focal plane with a duplex. It doesn't fucking matter. Oh, I agree. Because I'll be honest with you, I hunted with a first focal plane scope this year and and just regular deer woods, and it was almost unusable. It's just a lot of shit. How, yeah, but no, no, not really all the shit. It's more so just the thinness of the reticle. Oh, sure. If you have a split second where you can't turn your illumination on, you're not going to see it. Yeah, it's tough. Especially so, towards the before I sold my six five PRC and was gonna make the leap over to a Mark V on my three hundred, I was actually thinking about putting an Athlon on it and doing a, a second focal plane with a turret. That way, I could still dial mm-hmm. and uh, keep it as like my backup. Like say, like I go to Wyoming or something like that, and just have it in the truck as a backup. Yep. And because uh, like the. Th- first focal planes have their purpose for target and have their purpose for like, say like, you know, you and the boys pack up and go to Wyoming for a pronghorn hunt. And you know, you're going to be out there in the plains. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to want first focal plane would help a lot, but you know, when you're hunting Iowa with a, you know, 450 Bushmaster, oh, yeah. or you're hunting North or you're hunting North Carolina with a 30 out six and you're only going to shoot 150 yards, 200 yards. You don't need a first focal plane. Fuck no. But like the loophole series, like the VX, is it the VX three now? Yeah. Were you talking about for like the mid range type situation? Yeah. 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 Like where you can get like a, you know, like a, a, a three to 12 or like a four to 16 and have a custom dial system for it. I mean, you can go out there and shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, at the like seven hundred yards. If you have, you know, you shot your gun through a chronograph. Cause I tell people right now, if you're going off the box speed and you're trying to shoot out the distance, you might get close, but you ain't gonna get damn well near accurate hit. Oh yeah, no. and a lot of these range, you can rent chronographs. You know, there's places where you can go to these places and they have these. You know, rent a chronograph. You can get your speeds. Mm-hmm a couple guns through it, get, know what you're going to do. Cause when you go out there to, 
you spend all this money on a hunt and you're not prepared to go out there and take those far shots. I mean, what are you doing to yourself? Cause you're not going to be able to capitalize on the moment. Right. You could get, I mean, you've hunted the West. I, I haven't, but you've hunted the West and you know, it's like, you know, you got a split shot on a pronghorn or a mule deer and it's at 450 yards standing broadside and has no idea you're there, but you have no room. Like you have no coverage to move up to it. Mm-hmm. 450 yards is not really a far shot. No, that's what I, I would I would say if anyone that's hunting with a rifle you need to you need to be very competent out to 4 or 500 yards and that's very 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 doable with any type of setup oh, honestly 100% cuz to me you know like there's a lot of people around here that you know 300 yards is a really long shot for some people yeah but you know to you know for me and my caliber of which I shoot you know far for me is until past 1200 yards almost you know i mean like just like when you're hunting or, or shooting archery it's like you know i might be shooting out to 80 90 yards 100 yards or so um but you're shooting at you're practicing at those ranges so then when you get a you know 45 50 yard shot then you're like well that's a chip shot dude i can make that in my sleep yeah and that good, translates right over to rifle for sure yeah absolutely <laughs> If you're practicing out to you know eight nine hundred thousand yards, and that that deer of a lifetime or whatever game you're hunting steps out at three hundred four hundred five hundred yards, I mean you're going to have so much more confidence knowing that you know I know my rifle, mm-hmm. I know I know that I can put this bullet where it needs to go because my equipment is allowing me to. Because you know a lot of people can do a lot with a three to nine by forty scope. And people did it for years. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. how many really dropping deer at six hundred yards with a three to nine? Yeah, not unless you really know it. You know, like if you just spend a lot of time with that setup, I mean, you you can definitely do it. It's just, yeah, I mean, there's better stuff out there, so why not use it? You know, right? Yeah, I mean, like 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 I said, it does. Like a lot of people think, like you know, it takes a. <sighs> $2,000 custom gun with a $2,000 scope on it to shoot long range, but it doesn't. Your standard 700 chambered in 30-06 with the right bullet and the right scope on it is going to shoot 500 yards with no issues. Yep. And it doesn't take a lot of money. It well, does not at all. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to best ammo, which I recommend you do, but you don't have to. You don't have to shoot the best optic. You don't have to shoot the best rifle. Because it's doable. It's mm-hmm. very doable. People do not know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, originally the thirty out six two was um, built back in nineteen oh six to be a thousand yard gun or a thousand yard cal- um, cartridge for military purposes, not hunting purposes. Like you need, you don't need as much velocity to kill a, a man, you know, as you do like a oh. deer and elk. But you know, originally there when they built the thirty out six, they're like, hey, you know, this is gonna be a thousand yard gun, and you're talking way less quality optics back then you know it's like they're shooting oh, irons yeah. they're shooting irons with uh leaf sights you know i mean look at the civil war some of those sharp rifles with those long scopes on it there's been documented sniper shots in the civil war at distance like long distances for what they were using mm-hmm. you know like a 600 yard shot back then i mean that might as well be a mile now Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's fucking long. That's a long, 
for those rifles back then, that's a long shot, dude, you know? Documented in history as well. So, I mean, a lot of, you can't say that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's just, it's just a lot of people are scared of the fact that, oh, well, I can't afford to go practice at long range or shoot long range, but really it's very doable and very obtainable. Because, I mean, I bought my scope, my Arkin scopes on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Got my Amazon. Haven't had, I won't say I haven't had issues, but, like, they were my fault. You know, I was learning. I'm not a professional. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and a, a big thing about it is, is if you don't have, like, I'm fortunate enough to, like, I, I've, I've shoot near Bragg, so, like, a lot of the times when I go, like, I'm shooting next to, like, a, like an ODA sniper. Yeah. Or competition guys, like, PRS is big for us, and so, like, P, like a bunch of PRS guys, so, like, I can pick off free knowledge from these guys, but if you're not in the availability to do that, go pay for a class. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people don't want to go do the money for that because you know you know how to shoot a gun but you don't I, I, I'll tell you this though when you get out there and you start shooting the bullet does not go straight because there's wind yeah. and it's it's so damn hard to read wind unless you have a $500 Kestrel oh yeah even then it's like you know it's not going to be it's going to it's going to do really good for where you're at but it's not going to you know you're still it's wind is tough dude you're, it's still a guessing game but you're just trying to make as educated a guess as you can so oh yeah and i think this year during the off season i think i'm going to try some competitions when i get my 300 done because they do do a elr comp but elr you know out to a mile is not really elr elr is more like that 2000 plus stuff oh yeah and then you're talking what they're shooting fucking ridiculous calibers too 338 Norma, 300 Norma, 375s. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of 375s. Just these huge fucking, you know, $15,000 custom builds. Like, some of those, like, to be, comp- like, really competitive with those ELRs, ELR competitions, it's tough. It's expensive. My buddy Alex did the one at Coleman's last year, and with his 300 PRC, he placed second. Well, fucking, that's great. Real great for him, all right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, a lot of people think like it's like you know. It's, it, it, I guess when I say it's expensive to compete, it's it, yeah. it's all within what you want to do. You know, like you can compete with anything. You know, oh, and yeah. it just depends on what you want to put into it. Obviously, I'm gonna uh, personally veer towards more or less um, spend more time training rather than buying. Right. Yeah. I'm not so much. Yeah. A, I, I'm really not much of a gear queer myself. I, I like gear. It's cool. It's fun to talk about and it's fun to look at and, you know, buy certain things. But it's like, I'd rather spend my time and money on the range rather in shooting. Oh. And bullets are fucking expensive nowadays. So it's like, in order to shoot a lot, you need a lot, and it takes a little bit of money. So I'd rather yeah. spend more money on ammo and time on the range rather than buying all the newest and greatest fucking shit that I don't really need when what I what I need more of is time behind a gun, you know, oh, yeah. then once you oh, spend a lot of time behind a gun, then you can start looking into what kind of exactly what type of gear you need in order to be competitive in certain situations. Yeah. A lot of those guys run those cops though. They've been shooting for so many years. Oh yeah. Shooting for so many years. Like I think 
this this past off season when I did a lot of my shooting, I would take probably three to four hundred dollars worth of ammo every time I went. Mm-hmm. And I would I usually would try to go once a month, just once a month, just to stay fresh. I would ideally, you know, you'd like to go more, but I I drive like three and a half hours to my range. Mm-hmm. Every drive, just because when you get out there, there's like. 300, I would say 180 degree view is what you can shoot. Like everything in front of you is shootable. That's pretty badass. They, uh, it's, it's a sick place, man. I mean, you would, you fall in love. I mean, like shooting ARs and pistols is fun, but it's like, dude, there's nothing that compares to like just going out there and just watching your vapor trail smack that steel and just waiting (laughs) here. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. That is a really gratifying feeling. Oh yeah, because I know you've shot long distance, being in the military and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we've we've got we've reached out there and touched some. It is it is a and, blast? It's really fun. It's it's honestly just um, <laughs> it's it's almost uh, it's like shooting your shooting archery. You know, when you are shooting a little bit longer distance and you pull back and you freaking let her rip and you just watch the arrow just you know, go up and dump right where you're aiming. Like that's a really great feeling. But when you're talking like really long range, you know, a thousand plus yards, you're watching that vapor trail exit your, uh, your, uh, scope reticle, you know, you watch it go up and you watch it come right back down. And it's like, ding, it's like, I don't know. It is a awesome feeling. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's like, you know, oh. It, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of fundamental stuff that comes into long range that a lot of people will have to break if they do decide mm-hmm. to get into it. Because I, I was so, I had so many flaws, like the way I held the rifle, the way I pulled the trigger, stuff like that. Like I had to completely change everything on how I, on how I shoot. And now that I've took the time to do that, it's like. I've noticed a big difference in my shooting quality. Cause I, I'll be honest with you. I used to be way better with a bow than I was with a rifle. Mm-hmm. And now that I've taken rifle hunting a lot more seriously and dove into it, I've noticed that my marksmanship with a rifle has translated over to a bow. Mm-hmm. For sure. Cause you know, when you're, you know, you pull the rifle up on your stand and you got a deer standing right front hundred yards, fundamentals don't really matter that much at a hundred yards, but like it, 500 yards if you you know your rifles leaned a little bit to the left or right you know yeah that's that's going to change bullet fly sure because you know putting a bubble on a lot of people don't know putting a bubble on your scope is going to help oh yeah mm-hmm. just like putting a bubble on your like have every uh site or uh bow site comes with a bubble so it's like same concept Oh, yeah, but, I mean, it's like you see deer rifles, though. It's like, I mean, you never see a bubble on a deer rifle. No, you don't. <laughs> and, you don't. And if I, it, like I said, it just doesn't take a whole lot to get into it. Like, you know, when you're first getting into it, 500 yards is going to be a very long shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to, a lot of people shoot, like you shoot six five Creedmoor, right? Yep. Amazing round for long range. That's 308 good. would yards, no problem. Mm-hmm. 70 has the same ballistics as a 6.5 PRC up to 500 yards. After 500 yards, 6.5 PRC has that edge. Yeah. But 270 has that that capability. That's you know, 
That's a super common round. Yeah, I, every, I don't know a single part. There's probably 10, tw- 10 or 20 270s in a 10-mile radius from me right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, set, like seven mags. Seven, like seven PRC is the new one that I think is going to take over the hunting market. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. And uh, honestly, if I go to get another PRC because I missed my 6.5 already, I'm probably going to do a Bagara divide in seven PRC. Is probably yep. I'm looking hard at seven PRC. Honestly, seven PRC is bitching. Yeah, it's pretty I, fucking sweet. But I know somebody that lives in Wyoming that hunts with one, and he was like, "Dude, this is the fucking future." And he's yeah. owned twenty twenty eight nozzlers, seven psalms, seven rim mags, everything you could think of. And he's like, "This seven PRC is just a laser." Oh yeah, it looks badass, dude. Yeah, he uh, he shoots his out of a, I think it's a it's a a fierce. Oh yeah, yep. Fierce rifles, dude. Those are, those look fucking sick too. I like those a lot. Yeah, I think the only brand that I would stay away from that has a carbon barrel would probably be Christensen. Dude, hundred percent. I, I don't think I would ever own one. I am not a fan of Christians, and I've just seen way too many flaws. Like, um, you know, <laughs> the stock's pulling away from the action barrel, and, like, the the finish on them and, just being terrible. Like, just not being, like, accuracy is inconsistent at best, you know? Yeah, I couldn't imagine spending $2,500 on a rifle to get five MOA out of it. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> like, no I thanks. Mean, I say that, but I got a buddy with a 300 PRC and an NPR, and he hand loads for it, and he's never had an issue out of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've seen just too many issues for me to just yeah. jump on. A lot of people that like them, don't get me wrong. But yep. Hey, if you, if, not, you, if you like it, you like it. I'm not going to tell you not to get it. Um, but if anyone asks my honest opinion, that's it. I mean, I think really people now are just chasing carbon barrels. Yeah. To be honest, I think this, you know, it's just like a fad that everybody goes to. Like, you know, when uh, 7 Mag came out over the over the 300 win mag, that was probably a big thing back in the day. You know, it's just the new big thing. Like the PRC rounds are the, are the fad right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the difference between a lot of these new cartridges coming out and the PRC cartridges is that I think the PRCs are here to stay. I think what Hornet PRCs is baller. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're a target shooter or if you're a hunter. They got it for you. Yeah. Hornet is smart as fuck. Honestly, them coming out with this whole PRC line is they're smart. They are smart. I'm curious to see what they're going to do next with it. Cause I don't think they're going to stop seven PRC new. Why would they? No, I think they'll they'll probably do a six millimeter for the coyote guys and the oh, yeah. and the and the, uh, the PRS world because that six five PRC just has a little too much ump for PR for the P, uh, PRS world. Yeah, a lot of guys use them, but, but there's really no need, especially if you're gonna, like six millimeters is pretty popular in the PRS world. Yeah, they're shooting those crazy rounds too. There's like six BRs and six GTs and stuff yeah, like that. Nuts, but. I don't know nothing about that stuff, but I know a lot. Like you know, 
Another one, another round that just completely skipped my mind that I just thought about that a lot of people, I mean, especially probably your neck of the woods being a coyote, coyote, probably, y'all coyote, I'm like crazy, don't y'all? Yeah, a lot of, yeah, it's pretty popular. I think you already know what I'm going to say, too, 243. Oh, yeah, yep, 243 is huge, and 22, 250. 243 will 100% shoot 500 yards. And if you oh, have yeah. And, you know... Go practice with it. Go, you know, a lot of people antelope hunt, deer hunt with a two forty three, mm-hmm. especially around. A lot of people's first guns are two forty three. Yep, it's Perry Batten's and, favorite cartridge. And uh, I was actually listening to that podcast just yep. not too long ago. Yeah, and y'all bunch about two forty three. I was sitting in the deer stand on it all day, sit listening to it, and uh, <laughs> y'all talk, y'all talked about six millimeters, and I was like, you know. My brother, my brother wants one so bad, and I was like, yeah, "I'm really gonna listen to this and just see if I can see why he wants one." My brother wants one so bad, mm-hmm. and I, I just my only gripe about six Creedmore is just the barrel life. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's so hot. But, Pretty but, hot, dude. But the PRC rounds, you know, the barrel life ain't the best on them either. But no, they're not. I, they're they're worse than the Creedmores. But I mean, you're still the barrel life it, with a. Creed more in PRC, yeah, it's going to be less. It's going to be less than your standard, but it's still not like I don't know. <laughs> you're, it'll still not, take you a little uh, while to shoot it out. Oh yeah, two thousand plus, depending yeah. on how you shoot. But believe it or not, six five PRC I think has a shorter barrel life than three hundred. Uh, like, probably. I think it does. I think it's like only by like four hundred rounds, but I mean that's on a computer. Mm-hmm. But they're cooking like, faster. I mean, I don't know. But like a 300 Win Mag, too. I mean, there's a lot of high BC options for a 300 Win Mag. And I mean, I think everybody and their brothers owned a 300 Win Mag. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of options. And, but you can, we can talk guns and guns and guns, but really for long range, what it is is just ammo, data, and optics. Yes, I agree with that. And honestly, and oh, sorry. You go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go. You're good. I I, I would have to lean more on the on the optics, though, to be honest with you, because it's mm-hmm. just, if you can't see out that far and effectively make a correction, and that's where first focal plane comes into with the Christmas trees. It's like, if I dial, say like my data's off, for, like last time I'm using data from two or three weeks ago. And the, the temperature's different, you know, you're, you're going to get different speeds, uh, different humidity that day and all that stuff. And I'm, I shoot a, a, a minute low or a mil low or something like that, or like half a mil low, but, you know, to the left or to the right. I can see, like, where on my reticle, where to aim, and I can just rack the bolt and just send another one real quick just off that hold of watching that round hit the dirt. Mm-hmm. And... I think if it takes a lot to switch over, though, I will say that. Yeah. To switch something you're used to, to, it's a big scare. But with all the information out on YouTube, it's it's insane on what you can learn just from watching a video. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it's no better time to get into it than now, honestly, with all the information that's out there. There's so many options that are just relatively available to people. Like, Avalon is killing it. Arkin's killing it. Mm-hmm. 
Vortex is killing. I'm not a huge Vortex fan, to be honest with you. Their warranty's nice, but I've, I've owned a lot of Vortex glass, and I've looked through, like, razors and compared mm-hmm. them to Arkans, like EP5 Arkan versus a Gen 3 razor. Yeah. I was like, they're about the goddamn same. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> um, if you want to, if you are buying an optic based on a warranty, then is it really going to be that great of an optic? You know, like Lupold, they have the, for their glass, they have the same, the, the same warranty for their rifle scopes and stuff. So it's like, in my opinion, it's like Lupold is the best warranty you're never going to use. Vortex is the best warranty that you'll use. Yeah. So <laughs> and I do, I, I don't hate Vortex. I think they're fine. They're what they filled a niche and they're doing great. And wow. they're, they're in the community and I'm not going to bash on them, but it's just pre- personal preference myself so yeah but oh yeah I, primary arms too has oh good yeah option first focal plane i don't know how much they do in second focal plane but uh primary arms also has i think they even have like the 1500 option scopes so and mm-hmm. fact that they have like you know if you're paying 500 dollars, 600 dollars, 700 dollars for an optic you're getting a pretty pretty damn good optic in my opinion but oh, yeah. when you start bra- you start when you break that thousand dollar range, that's when you start getting something super special. Yeah, for sure, dude. But hey, uh, I, I, I do have to start wrapping it up pretty soon here. I have right. my uh, I have Lee Her coming in, and he just got here a little bit ago. And I also, I'm not gonna lie, this is very unprofessional of me, but I am about to piss my pants. Oh, you. <laughs> But uh, do you have any parting wisdom for us? Training. Training. Learn. If you meet somebody while you're shooting that knows a lot more than you do, training and listening. That was the big mm-hmm. thing I did. The fuck up when these guys are talking. I mean, we're talking. I, I shoot with guys who hunt people for a living. Right. And some some of them are just so knowledgeable and so humble and they're just willing to show people everything that they've learned in combat mm-hmm. and you know it, just listening and training i mean really just getting behind your gun and learning your gun to make an ethical shot and i i just hope everybody has a successful season i hope everybody just you know can learn that it doesn't take a whole lot of money to get in the long range and to extend your lethal shot distance Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I do. I really do appreciate you reaching out and bringing up the subject. I, I had a lot of fun on it, honestly. And, um, honest, dude, whenever you have anything else to come up or anything else that you want to talk about, let me know and we can definitely do this again. This has been a good time, dude. Yeah, man. I had fun doing it. And, uh, I hope you, uh, I hope you connect on a hammer, man. I really do. Thanks, I dude. You're for one. Dude. You're due for one. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I really do. So. All right, Connor. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, yeah, stay in touch. Yeah, and brother. Hey, th- man. Season, man. Yeah, thanks, man. And thanks to all y'all for listening. places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.